the Let's Talk Leadership podcast. My name's Ellie Greening. And my name's Sandra Patel-Stewart. On this podcast, we will be interviewing some of the UK's greatest tech leaders. We'll be discussing war stories, battle scars, and their learnings from their journeys. Hopefully, you will pick up some great tips, learn from others' experiences, and have a good laugh along the way. Thank you very much for tuning in to the Let's Talk Leadership podcast. Super excited today because we've got the fantastic Stuart Bullock on. Hi, Stuart. Hi. Hi, Ellie. How are you doing? Very good. Thank you. So to the listeners who aren't aware of Stuart, Stuart is the Managing Director at BGSS. If you haven't heard of BGSS, I'd be very surprised, but um, BGSS are one of the fastest growing tech consultancies in the UK, um, also doing a lot of work over in America, and you work on full software development lifecycle delivery, um, and also service, don't you, for a number of clients um, internationally? We do, we do, yes. We've got uh, 10 offices across the UK, two in America, one in Europe now. Um, yeah, and as you say, it's a, it's a full service proposition right the way from digital design consulting, right the way through to outsource project delivery, and then looking after stuff when it's live and then all the consultancy in between. So, uh, yeah. Keeps us well, I'm really pleased to have the opportunity to actually meet you in person today because I've worked with BGSS now for about three, three and a half years. And um, so we've helped support you on a number of um, your consultancies, but I've never had the opportunity to meet you in person. So thank you no. very much for taking the time to meet us, Stuart. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah. We've, um, <laughs> as a business, we've, uh, we've um, obviously worked closely with you guys for a number of years and your name's cropped up here and there. And so it's great to have this opportunity to find out more about you and your background, how, how, you know, how you got into tech and how it all began. And, and it was great to have you um, on our um, panel um, yesterday evening as well. We, we, we had our second episode of, um COVID-19 what the tech is going on um and you were great um we had some really oh, positive you. feedback um mm-hmm. it was just great because you were really um open and honest and you know transparent with you and I, you know I think and that's what a lot of the listeners and viewers want is you know they want a kind of true account for what's going on in your business how you what measures you're putting in place how you're handling certain situations and you know everyone's going through such a tough time at the moment yeah, it's difficult um it is difficult so um thank you for that and um yeah. we'll share, the, share the feedback with you soon as well because it was really positive yeah once again thanks for inviting me. it was fun to take part yeah and if anyone wants the link to that um following the podcast today it's actually on our youtube channel we've just released the um, video so you can catch up on the content which was superb and um, we are now in week eight nine of lockdown aren't we in the uk um, I, I, I count it as week nine but i think i dropped in a week early oh did you I yeah think, I, think we're, I think we might be on week eight yeah i think me and um sandra are probably a little bit more reluctant to leave our the comfort of our <laughs> office weren't we but um yeah i think we we're going into week now um it's been a funny old time and we'll definitely um cover some topics around um covid across the podcast today but we would love to start the podcast um, with your journey, Stuart, and how it all started, where it all began, how you ended up getting into tech, and, and what you're up to in your current role at the moment at BGSS now. Okay, well, that's a broad question. Right, I'll, I'll see what I can do to kind of try and sort of summarise that one before. <laughs> Which was not tall. <laughs> yeah, I, I, get, I guess fundamentally I've always done what I think is best suited to me. So uh, I guess human nature, you kind of do the things that you're naturally probably best at. Probably a sensible thing to do that. I, yeah. I, went to university. I, I didn't know as a kid, kid when I went to university. I did engineering because I just thought, you know what, it's a bit of everything. 
Uh, I had absolutely no interest really in engineering, but but it just did, you know, did a lot of ordering subjects. And technology or computers seemed to be the thing that I seemed to be probably naturally best at, you know, maths, mm -hmm. that type of thing. So I so ended up in tech. Uh, and the rest kind of, as, as they say, a bit, is a bit of history. But um, uh, I guess I, it's funny, I, I was thinking about the answer to this question. I, I gave a presentation at the Women in Leeds Digital Conference last year. Right. I talked a little bit about my career. And in preparation for that, I was kind of thinking about my career. And it worked out, I've only made, and I'm not going to go through all of these, but I made, I've made nine decisions in my entire life that have kind of significantly impacted kind of what I do. When you think about it that way, is there's not many decisions you make that really kind of impact yeah. your kind of life. <laughs> uh, uh, and I also worked out, I've been working for 30 years, and I, and I don't feel that old. It sounds terrible. <laughs> it sounds terrible. <laughs> You across come across years. very energetic, so... Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah just something right. <laughs> <laughs> so just, just nine decisions in 30 years is phenomenal, but I guess there's so many you make every day, but uh, I won't go through all of them now anyway. But, uh, but it's been a heck of a journey, and, I, and I've, I guess one of the things for me is, is, is I've loved every minute of it, and I think, I guess there's something about that. I guess if you make the decisions for the right reasons, uh, it probably makes quite an enjoyable journey, and, and, I, and I, I, have, I have no regrets going on that. So uh, I probably squeezed everything out of that put out that 30 years ago. Yeah. Did you start off within development then? In progress I did, yeah. Yeah, I was a developer when I started and then kind of started working my way through. I, I, spent, I spent two years in development and then uh, I started out as an con independent contractor myself with only two years experience. What, that tech, couple that, of years. was that? Was it, not, was it COBOL? Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it, it was a 4GL called Uniface at the time. So... Uh, mm. Oh yeah, yeah. Just when Unix was all new and kind of all the rest of it. Anyway, I did that for a couple of years, and then I had an opportunity to take a leadership position in the company that owned that particular product, but it was in okay. South Africa. So I moved lock, stock, and barrel, uh -huh. age twenty-five, to South Africa, which was literally the month before the Nelson Mandela elections in nineteen ninety-four. Oh wow! So I was probably uh, I was probably one of the very few people emigrating to South Africa at that particular moment in time because everybody thought the country was going to go down the pan. It was just uh, it was a very risky time. But I guess it's one of those things you, you do and you kind of decision you take at the time. And I, I don't think I've ever looked, looked back from that. It was quite quite exciting, you know, to, to join a leadership position in a global company. But, but actually, how long were you over? How long were you over in South Africa? I was there for four years. Wow. And I, I thought about sort of the career decisions I've taken since then, and I've never, I've never taken a career decision for money. It's always either been a life decision like that, you know, oh, it's a great opportunity, go and live in another country. Actually, a, an interesting career decision too. It's always yeah. been that really for me. So I've never, I've never moved. Oh, I can earn another five k here by moving somewhere else. I've never done that. Mm. And I guess, I guess because of that, I probably enjoyed the jobs and kind of the, the journey a little bit more. I suppose. Yeah, fantastic. And how long have you been with BGSS for now? I joined BGSS. I came back from South Africa in '98, and then spent a couple of years um, down in London, and then moved, moved back up to Yorkshire mm. uh, about 2000. And I joined BGSS then. I left and rejoined them again, but that's kind of another story. But but so so really, my relationship with BGSS started 20 years ago. Wow! So when it all began then? Yeah, yeah just yeah, not worse. It, it had been going for seven years when I joined, but there were 35 of us then. Uh, it's about 1,300 of us now, but, but um, it, yeah, it was a very small company. I moved up from London, joined this small consultancy in Leeds. Yeah. And of course, because it was a consultancy, I spent the next 18 months in London. <laughs> 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 you, um, did you join when Nigel Wilson was there? Yeah, Nigel joined. So, as I met, so I was with BGSS for a couple of years. And then because I was in London so much, I moved up to Yorkshire. Uh, 
it was it kind of wasn't a, good, a decent work-life balance kind of for me mm. yeah so I, I left but I rejoined again in late 2006 and I think Nigel Wilson had just joined just before I rejoined uh, late 2006. I did a bit of work with him a lot long time ago um, yeah and we, we worked yeah. together for a few years before he moved on fantastic well there must have been something drawing you back and mm. ever since then all that time the company has just gone from strength to strength right yeah so, it's, it was a very easy decision that I didn't, I didn't want to leave BGSS at the time. Uh, yeah. It was purely, I'd moved up to Yorkshire with my girlfriend at the time, who, who's now my wife, but, um, <laughs> uh, and then just living away all, all day, every day. And at the time we were so small, all our work was in London. So it was just, it just yeah, after, you can do that for a couple of years, but after a while it kind of wears. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, there wasn't an opportunity for a work-life balance kind of at BGSS. But, but I really loved the people and the ethos uh, I'll come back to this again a bit later, but Glenn Robinson, who's now the chairman, and Andrew Marker and the company. I love the ethos, and I love the I love the strength and depth the company had, and it was, it was a very simple company, but a, but an amazing company. So I just I kept in touch with them, and when there was a chance to rejoin, excuse me, and they'd opened a London office, rejoined late two thousand and six. Um, I jumped at it. I kept in touch with the guys, and it, it probably was always on the car, so I wasn't apart from them for long, probably only four years. Um, so. I've, so it wasn't it wasn't a hard decision just because it's such a it just resonates with my ethos really fantastic and then the business since then has had some amazing achievements that you've been able to play a key role in i'm sure so um yeah that's fantastic and your role at the moment then so you're md at bjss like you say global reach you've got Mm. offices all over the world now how's your role at the moment and what sort of things are you up to yeah, good question. Okay, I guess I guess I mentioned the ethos a little bit, and I guess I should come back to that a bit because it makes it really simple. We we only we only strive to achieve three things really, and that's to be a, a high quality provider, so high quality services, mm-hmm. make it a great place to work for the staff over there, uh, uh, and finally, very simply, just be here for the long term. So it's not a company that's being geared up to sell or anything like that. It's it's yeah. to be here for the long term for the staff. So everything that we do has got to be around one of those things, either doing a phenomenal job for a client. Or just making it a phenomenal experience for the people who work there, uh, and just sustaining that longevity. So it makes it really simple company to work for for me and as as MD. Um, now, That's uh, and the caliber of staff that you have is incredible. Yeah, they are amazing, and it's and it's you're right. It's probably it's probably the innate sort of the the, the innate ability of everybody as opposed to experience that they bring. It's it's mm. you know, it's amazing what uh, even young bright raw talented people can kind of. Mm bring to the business and I think um, so we don't hire based on CV we hire based on talent and kind of culture fit really, I think. But, yeah and but, the potential which yeah is... so for, for now as, as an MD I guess the, the stereotypical thing everybody thinks an MD is profit and loss you know <laughs> it's money coming in money going out hopefully the money coming in is a bit more than money coming out and that way we can do pay rises and all the kind of rest of it and, and invest and do exciting things so obviously that's you know that's what the owners look to me for it's I'm accountable for the P&L Mm-hmm. and the words they would use they'd say it's my train set to look after for that mm-hmm. but I have to worry about everything I have to worry about all the people I have to worry about growth and times like now I have to worry about resilience stability safeguarding jobs making sure we're relevant in the market that services that we put out there as things that clients want to buy so I have to care about all the detail every single person every single pound we spend every single pound we earn uh, and, and then kind of look forward and direct the strategy and make sure we're pointing in the right direction so I'm very lucky <laughs> Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? People think that about an MD, but but as as I've gone through my career, I guess every every job you do, we're always busy. We're all grafting. You know, nobody's sat around just taking it easy. Yeah, so yeah. it's just different, isn't it? Just the, the scale of work you do. And I guess I guess I've had some experience kind of in this industry and at this company. That means I probably 
understand which way to point things at. Uh, and I'm very lucky, as you referred to, Cunevelli is a phenomenal talent pool of people. So actually, as long as I can point them in the right direction, I don't really have to do much else. It's gonna, if ever you're gonna be, if ever you're gonna be MD, this is the company to, to be MD on, really. With all the best minds. Oh yeah, oh yeah. If, if, if I mess this up, well, buy me. <laughs> I was, um, I think it'd be really interesting to, given the current climate, to understand more about how how lockdown and COVID-19 has impacted you, your role, the business, um, you know, and how you, how you're managing it all. Yeah. It's massively different, but it once again, phenomenal how people have responded. I think we, you know, we, everybody reacted really quickly. And I yeah. think as a business, we were sort of a week ahead of everyone else just because of, mm-hmm. right. We realized what was going on. So I mentioned going into lockdown, we went to lockdown a week early because we took some decisions whew, three or four weeks before lockdown that was around, look, we need to make sure that we isolate people. Simple, just common logic decisions around, well, we need to safeguard individuals. So what do they need to do? Well, they probably need to in- interact with less people. So as we're a consultancy, you'd have people coming into our office or going to a client site and then another client site. Yeah, so we took a decision. I, um, yeah, I remember yeah. that well, actually, because I think um, you guys, are obviously you're one of our clients, and I- I'm sure it was like two or three weeks before lockdown, um, and you'd adapted already to start remote interviewing. You were interviewing, yeah. doing video interviews. You were interviewing off-site at coffee shops. Yeah, uh, we we took the decision that, that everybody should, as we as we weren't in lockdown yet, and people were going to work, we would go to one place of work, and that would be it. So, you know, if you came into the office, then you come into the office, and that would be it. If you went to a client site, it would be that office, that client site you go to, and you wouldn't come back to the office. You'd have mm. to have the video conference in. Um, and I, I had to visit a client on, uh, a week before lockdown. There was no way the meeting was going to go ahead any other way. So I went to the client site and had the meeting. But I knew I had that meeting on the Monday that I couldn't go back to the office the rest of the week. So that's how I ended up kind of being locked down. But, so, so we took some decisions quite early on. And then, and then I, I'm, I'm very lucky. We've got a strong, small but strong leadership team with a very clear sort of understanding as to who kind of looks after what. So as soon as COVID was coming along, we immediately a small COVID steering group was formed of the right people that met every day and started to take some actions and decisions that was communicated strongly to the board. We set up some regular sessions. So that, 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 that group met every day the senior leadership team met every day, the, the owners and the chairman and I met every day, the board met every week. So all of a sudden we were in a, a very different pattern, which is around rights. You know, this is a different thing going on. We took a different, different things. We had, we had great plans of all things we've got to do for the year, but we literally mm-hmm. just put them all down and, all on pause and on hold yeah and I, and I think you know we we start to talk to all of our clients what what's going to happen to them mm. we, and we looked really hard at the finances of the business and we've 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 been I mean the owners are very shrewd uh, and we don't we say we have no external investment uh, we've, never, we've never bought or sold any any part of the company uh, we've always sort of tried to maintain a strong cash position such that should there any day happen then you've yeah. got some reserves. So we, so we had some reserves, obviously, to, to look at that. And then, and then we just said, okay, well, what would you do now? Well, you batten down the hatches, don't you? You spend as little money as you can. You you take every opportunity of all kind of financial support you can kind of get around the board to make sure that you can you can keep as many cash reserves. Because the biggest cost to our running our business is staff salaries. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and, and the owners and the chairman and I were really keen that we just maintained this, the team. So we didn't yeah. want to lose lose anybody. Mm. We thought, well, if we can maintain cash, just not spend stuff, just keep, keep batting down the hatches, 
keep cash in the bank and we'll, we'll ride this period out and whatever happens. And we did all sorts of financial scenario planning of doomsday plans and kind of what we could do and how, how we could survive and how much money we could lose and all, all the kind of rest we did today. Sounds uh, so like you've made that. some great plans there. And I think a lot of the feedback that we get, obviously our role working with people all the time and discussing the market and a lot of the feedback that we get speaking to candidates these days is that, it, that there's a lot of companies that haven't handled it very well and they haven't yeah. put their company at the forefront they've put the business yeah. in the profit um, and as a consultancy it's even more challenging isn't it than most mm. organizations yeah, so like you said with, with bgss historically there is a lot of travel is consultancy yeah. you've got you, most clients want you there if they're paying for yeah. a product they're paying for a service yeah. they want to person behind that service so um i guess that's brought lots of challenges with it as well it has but it's funny once again i think just naturally the company i guess perhaps because we're a consultancy we do a lot of travel and then we do a lot of yeah. remote meetings we already had the technology in place we already had a well-hosted sort of uh, a broad network of technology so that people could work remotely because we need to support that anyway so actually for us we did a lot of business continuity planning. We hadn't tested on if we had to literally take the entire office and stick them all at home, how that would work. I, mean, you'd be mad, I don't think right? anyone had. <laughs> Why would that ever happen? We hadn't tested that. But, but it was amazingly quick and, and, and uh, okay, I would say painless. Our technology team would say it wasn't painless. It's really hard. But, but in the grand scheme of things, in the grand scheme of things, you know, they did a phenomenal job and got everybody working remotely phenomenally quickly. Um, so, so that was kind of amazing really and you were, the agile kind of delivery approach has always been co-located teams sat together working together and this is the antithesis of that but oddly what we found with agile and we've had to we've probably had to deal with this i guess over the years anyway so we we've had to ramp up teams really quickly for clients that wanted to hit tight deadlines with massive projects so we've we've worked with remote teams before having you know a team on site in one city and three teams across three different other cities and have to work remotely so it's a problem we've ch- tackled before and it's hard it's really hard uh, so actually i guess maybe that experience was useful for us but people the people fell into it naturally i think the agile thing helped you know mm-hmm. having small short sprints setting to have daily stand-ups all that kind of stuff that comes with agile mm-hmm. works nicely in this remote situation if you just assume that we're all remote okay so we have to deal with that but if you if you overlay if you ignore that it, that that approach just seemed to work nicely so oddly people have transitioned to it really well mm. and then people start doing things right okay oh we, we realize remote working's hard so all sorts of things started to pop up without us having to do anything so our creative designers were going right actually we thought about this working remotely here's a here's a podcast on working remotely and what it's like and here's a podcast on what it's like to communicate to people that aren't with you so all of a sudden all these little things start to come out of the business without anybody having to tell anybody ask anybody to do it so that's great and i think the business Maybe something about experience or the type of people, I don't know, but it, but it did slip more naturally into it than I thought. Yeah. And productivity has been great too, I think. And I guess, you know, I guess you'd have to, that would have to stand the test of time. But, but we found yeah. that delivery pace on projects has, has been as good and sometimes even better. Oh, wow. Because the thing is as well, like the staff at, at working from home is its own battle, but it's, it's yeah. parents, isn't it? And the responsibilities of running a house. And well, Sandra will tell you more than anyone. She's got a four-year-old <laughs> it's a handful <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, um yeah i mean obviously that you know that has its challenges um but i think it's great that you've uh, one of the things i think is in it, in it sounds like you've got this down to the two within bgss is that it's bringing the people together and creating a mm. community and i've heard this uh, over the past seven or eight weeks from various people in our network mm. um is that productivity has increased teams have become much closer working more collaboratively 
um, you know, and there's so many people out there that are offering help, free help, free advice and support, which, which is great. And we can only take that as positives moving forwards, um, which is brilliant. I guess because it's an extreme, it, it, in some ways it makes it easier because everybody's working from home. Everybody's yeah. having to be more relaxed and deal with it. I think if you're in a situation where you have a mix and you have some people in the office working work, that's where I think it's more difficult doing that. Mm. And I guess everyone's in the same boat, it just in yeah. different, certain different situations, different businesses, um, but we're all in the same boat. Yeah, but you alluded to it, Sandra. I mean, it's, it's not easy, this. And I think, you know, we, we don't have it nailed, but certainly... I guess we're probably better than most, I suppose. But mm. um, but there are there are the realities of life to deal with. You know, we are. I'm lucky. I, uh, I have a wife doesn't work and that can look after kids. Some people are single mums or single dads. Some people are just single people in a flat. You know, and all those things mm. uh, bring different pressures on individuals. So you can't you can't cookie cutter uh, an employment contract now. You know, you, you yeah. can't do that. You have to deal <laughs> with every case as it is. Try and as an employer, try and be as flexible as you can. You know, we, as I said at the start of the podcast, we took the decision that we want to be, uh, we want to retain all the jobs. And that, and, and we, we're ignoring, and I think the word profit isn't even a conversation we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Business sustainability, you talk about resilience, talk about maintaining jobs. So actually, it's not about how successful you are financially in that net. It's about longevity. It's about mm-hmm. making sure people can work. And so dealing with, allowing people to deal with those situations and be flexible with them, which, as you said, for a consultancy is hard, really hard, because our mm-hmm. clients expect I think- yeah, but I think, um, you know, there'll be certain businesses that come out of this stronger um, and, you know, particularly with a consultancy and the same with our businesses, without the people. There, you, there yeah, no we're nothing. We're nothing. Mm. Um, and, you know, so the, you, you have to absolutely do everything that you can to look out for the, the people and care for the people and support yeah. the people. And, and that is what will you know, BGSS will come out of this so much stronger because it sounds like you've got some great... I think we're working twice as hard on that. I mean, we always, we've always believed you have to work hard on that because we've always been a people business. We have no product per se that we can yeah. shrink, wrap and sell for a couple of quid. So it, it is always been about people. So we've always worked hard on it, but we're working twice as hard now. And I think, but I think not just me, I mean, just everybody in the businesses. And I think it's been a, a great opportunity for some people to stand up and go, you know, like, ask me kind of how I got to where I got to, but, but other people in their career thinking, oh, do you know, there's a, there's a bunch of people here and I can look after them. Right, guys, let's all jump on a Zoom call. Let's have these things. Let's, mm-hmm. let's have a beer after work today. And you, and you find people are, people are popping up in the business that you didn't expect with a displaying uh, leadership tendencies that you wouldn't expect. So people are seeing yeah. that as an opportunity yeah. and, and grasping it, which is phenomenal. Yeah. It's really, really great. Right. great if we flip it round to um, your clients, um, what measures have you put in place to support your clients and service your clients during these difficult times? Yeah, lots of them. Well, we, we reorganized our management team kind of a bit around that. So um, uh, I have a member of the leadership team, which are called Head of Client Services. So we have the most senior delivery managers in our business grouped together. Uh, uh, and they are accountable for all the services we deliver to our clients. But, that, but that's not just a contractual thing. That's the relationship with the client, what they expect from us, what value they're going to derive from the work we do for them, mm-hmm. what the commercial relationship is between the two organizations, what our commitments are, what they expect from us, what they don't expect from us, how we're performing all that. So we have a small group of people who, who look to do that. And we have, as you'd expect, a lot of engagements going on at any one time. Mm-hmm. We have a small group of people to do that. So what we did is we pointed those people at the clients, plus every other delivery manager we've got in the business too, and said, right, to speak to your clients, make sure that you understand where we are, where they are, 
talk to them, find out, find out what they need and what they expect from us. Some of them are in different situations. They're in the travel industry, of course, they're, they're having to batten down the hatches and yeah. they've got an existential threat to their business. Some of them are sort of health service are working twice as hard because you're trying to support the rest of the business as well. So, so what, what can we do to support them and help them out right now? So fundamentally, if you talk to your clients and listen to them, you know, that, they'll tell you what, what they want from you or don't want from you. Uh, and in some cases, they, they don't know what to ask for or whatever. And so as long as we're, we're offering, saying, look, we're here, there'll be scope to help out, things we can do now, we realize that, that you're under commercial pressure, what can we do to help you? So I think, listen to your clients, uh, and everyone's different. They're all different, but, but they're all, yeah. luckily, they're all in the same boat as us, so they're all, they're all been, we can be relaxed about how we can work together with their staff and our staff, so I think, and they appreciate that too, and when it comes out of this, you know, they're going to want to do business with people that, that are supporting them, so, yeah, so it's not a stupid yeah. thing to do either, but, it, but it's a simple thing, so we speak to them, and that's part yeah. of our, our daily conversation, is right, you know, what, what's going on? Yeah. Any conversations, and so we're just talking a lot all the time about it, mm-hmm. and, and it, you know, it's, it obviously spiked. There was a lot of conversation over the first four to six weeks, and it's got a bit quieter now. It, that's sim- I mean, similar situation to us in that you know, probably within the first week or two, eighty eighty five percent of our business, our clients, paused recruitment. Everything yeah. just went on hold, yeah. um, and the conversations we've been having is, you know what can we do to help you right now? What support do you need? Um, you know, what, what are your problems? What are your pain areas? And how can we help you through these difficult times? You know, we, we're trying to um, do as much as we possibly can for candidates that are struggling to find work. And you yeah. know, it's, um, yeah, just it's helping each other, isn't it? Where, when yeah. and where you can. As a business, obviously, um, we're very fortunate. There's a lot of recruitment companies out there that haven't got anything. And we, we've mm. still got a couple of clients that have, Manage to keep things moving, which is brilliant, and that's going to help help see us through. The clients who have had to put everything on hold, which is understandable because the market, we've just like Sandra said, we've had to be creative and we've had to think of different ideas and service offering and training support that, yeah. we, can, that we can do. But you've just got to be innovative, and like you realise your role completely changes. And people, I think what you mentioned earlier about people bringing different skills and mm. learning new things about each other, and it's really fascinating. It's great yeah. to have so many positives come out of it. Mm. And I think you've covered, I guess, some of your stellar leadership skills already. But I think <laughs> it would be interesting to find out what you think makes you a successful leader. Mm. Okay. Uh... I have no idea, to be honest. <laughs> 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 I'm probably not the right person to ask, but I can tell you what I think. Yeah. I, remember, I remember once we did... Uh, uh, or things the, you've learned, I guess. That's a good thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's a bunch of things I can come to. I think there's a yeah. while ago, I remember somebody came to the organisation and was asking us as a leadership team, sort of like what, mm. what, we, what, what we thought were the qualities of each other type of thing. And mm. Glenn, who's my chairman, used a word. He used the word empathy. For me, he said. I th- he said. I think that he thought that was the word that described me best, which is probably right. I guess I probably try to put myself in other people's shoes when I'm making decisions and thinking about it. So I like to think empathy is a big thing for me. Mm. There's probably three things. I think empathy is one of them. Very Second thing is to have, I'd say. I think mm. respectful is the other one. I think treating everybody. There's there's too many senior leaders, and it, it, it sometimes it's come down to. Come, company culture there's any leaders that, that feel that they have to be uh strong aggressive kind of um uh dictator type, type leaderships and I, I think yeah. there's no place for that and i think they treat people at different levels in the organization differently and, I, and it just just doesn't sit nicely with me that's so why i think 
treat everyone with the same level of respect, honesty, kindness, and candor, I think is, is kind of an important thing for me. Uh, and then finally, I guess, just really try to understand what our clients want to achieve, want us to achieve for them and what they want to achieve as a result of the work we do. So I guess those are the three things, I guess, you know, really understanding your people, being empathetic and kind to them, understanding your clients and making sure what we deliver is of, is of exceptional value. And I think, I think those are the simple things, I guess, that I probably hold true, I think, to everything that I do. Fantastic. Yeah, no, it's definitely. Characteristics, if you like. Yeah, no, definitely. I think motivating teams, obviously productivity, like you say, it's equal, if not stronger than before for BGSS, but Mm. motivating teams can be tough at any time, but I think more particularly more now than ever. Um, How do you, as a leader, motivate teams and bring people together to get the most out of their staff? As you say, right now, probably a tougher time than ever. But I guess go back to some of the things we've already said a bit. Yeah. It's funny, I've, I probably not had to work too hard at it, really, I guess, because, because of the way we've set our business up. It's not a big hierarchy type business. I have a small leadership team, um, but we spread across, as we mentioned before, 10 cities in the UK, a couple in the US, one in Europe. So actually, we're, we're a lot of very small businesses, but with a common ethos and structure around it. So actually, I don't need to think about 1,300 people. So I need to think about a small team. And each of those people will think about the small team as well. So it's, it's kind of broken up into small. How many direct things. reports do you have then, Stuart? Uh, well, I'm accountable for all of them, obviously. But, but as yeah. a leadership team, mm-hmm. the, there's only nine of us. Yeah. That's uh, a nice number, isn't so, it? Um, uh, it's a big enough team. And I don't, it's not like I, I kind of line manage them per se. We work together yeah. collaboratively as a group. We have a separate responsibilities. But. Obviously, we have one-on-one conversations, but we work as a group and we run it all. We have a, we have a broader group that I call us. So we have a status group where, that runs the business, which is much bigger than that. It's twice that size. Mm-hmm. Um, with people with different areas of responsibility that allows them to engage with that team. So it feels a lot more collaborative. So actually, for, so for me, it's just making sure that that team, and, and they did it naturally, really, as I said at the start. They, they fell into, right, it's sort of a crisis mode now. This is how we're going to operate, kind of falling into that. And you, and you get small groups that get together. So you get the COVID steering committee, you've got the leadership team, you've got the board of directors. And, uh, you'll have a people within a leadership group within a particular office, say within Leeds, it has its own leadership group. Uh, and so there'll be somebody there worrying about people. So, so they all naturally sort of get together. So actually, my, my job is probably just a bit facilitating that and making sure that that team have a clear direction from the owners of the company where they want to go and what what I see as, uh, as the core vision. As long as I can clearly communicate what that is, they go, oh, right, get that, brilliant, right, I'm off. So the motivational thing... You've got a good team of leaders below you. Yeah, anyway, so yeah. and then within, the, within the teams from the bottom up too, as I said, so, you know, you got, there's over 400 people work pressing leads, but so clearly the leadership team of the leads don't, don't manage all of those. They have squad leads and mm-hmm. lots of different projects and each of those will have a leader. So, and just naturally people getting together, either in groups of, say, you know, it might be a people group or it might be a group of business analysts or it might be a group of people that are interested in running or whatever. But pockets all sort of get together and forms a sort of mini support network. So oddly, I think right now, I would say that the team is probably more motivated than ever just because it's sort of pulled together in adversity. So actually, as long yeah. as I can, as long as I can put an ethos through that, that the, the owners support, you know, about sustainability, resilience, jobs, safeguarding, that's what we're all worried about mm. coming out of this kind of with job, whatever. Then, yeah, and everything Looking else after one happening. another, yeah. And we're working really hard on the comms front, so we would do that quite a lot with you know, town halls and presentations. We travel all around yeah. the country doing all that, but we're doing a lot remotely now. So, 
So every week there's at least one, if not two, sort of video broadcasts from, say, me and the chairman or maybe the, the sales director or maybe uh, guys accountable to, for delivery or head of client services or whatever. Oh, great. But there's a video call going out just say, talking about a topic. Right, this is where we are. We know you're worried about these things, so this is our stance. Bang, 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 bang. Go through all of that. But within that, so everyone is well informed. Everybody knows. Yeah, yeah and, that's brilliant. So if there's a government announcement, nice putting, putting it on an email as well, isn't it? Yes, yeah, so you need a combination. So on Sunday there was the old announcement that Boris was going to say. So yeah. so we made sure there was an email went out that night to everyone saying, yeah. "Don't come into work. The offices aren't open. Fine, we'll we'll we'll." Keep you updated next week, and then another follow-up with another email on Tuesday saying, "Right, we've assessed it on Monday. This is where we are." And then Glyn and I did a video call today. So, brilliant. Um, and I've got another one at four o'clock. So, <laughs> so we do that. So every week, there's always some email comes going out, but always some video comes with some face-to-face conversation. We have a people group where everybody can put questions into, and there's lots of Slack channel conversations. So, so I think. Uh, uh, we're working twice as hard on the comms, and I think I think we've probably learnt a bit about things that will work a bit better that we'll take forward. I think, Definitely. especially the video stuff. Oh. Especially the video stuff. Mm. So, Stuart, you've got you've got a very big role. Sounds very challenging, particularly given the current times. Um, I think everyone will probably be quite interested to hear more about how you keep yourself sane and healthy. Like, how do you manage the stress of it all? Mm. Probably no different from anyone else, I guess. But uh, yes, yeah, so I guess we all, we all work hard. But I guess uh, I guess with experience, I've developed coping mechanisms, and I've learned about myself physically and mentally, kind of what I'm good at and what I'm not very good at. I um, I tend to get uh, I'm very focused on I will, I will set I will set goals for the business, not for myself, goals for the business, kind of things like that. And, that, and uh, we have we make commitments to clients, and I worry about every one of those. Uh, and that's what would keep me up at, up at night. But but I but I can get embroiled in something, and because there's so much going on, if if I don't keep focus, I I can I can maybe take on too many things. So so mm-hmm. I I have a bit of a coping mechanism. So every week I'll sort of checkpoint myself and I'll go right. What are you doing? What are you working on? What are your top priorities? And almost rebuild a to do list kind of a route. So I have I have coping mechanisms like that for myself because you need to take a deep breath. And I've learned learned through experience of sort of times in the other career when when you get a bit out of control and, it, and it's stressful and it's not great and it, mm. and it impacts your home life. So I think I've learned that I have to, I have to use coping mechanisms and I've worked out that, you know what? Um, many things that we do and worry about, actually, if we did nothing about them, life will keep spinning and revolving. So actually, do you know what? Unless it's life or death, don't stress about it. So, uh, so I can, I can relax and I can switch off. So, uh, uh, so before work and after work, that, that for me is family time and me time. So I'll go for a run in the morning, as I said before, or spend time with the kids. Uh, but I travel a lot and I'm awake quite a bit, so so I can work quite hard too. But I don't have trouble sleeping, you know. <laughs> you know, I think people say, "Oh, you know, do, do you not respond to that email that came in at ten o'clock at night?" Well, no, because I don't I don't have my phone pinging me when emails come in. If I want to look at Outlook on my phone, I can click on it and it. Uh, when um, when email. do you last check your emails? Uh, when I close up for work so whatever time it is that day if it was six o'clock say and I close my laptop I won't I won't check again um, but that's great. If, something, if something urgent something's going on somebody will call me you know, we have mobile phones and, and if somebody wants to call me at 10 o'clock at night I'll speak to them at 10 o'clock at night it's not a problem but I won't sit there looking for it you know, yeah uh, my wife and kids they, they deserve a bit of my time too um, even if if I were traveling and, and in London or whatever then I'll probably you know I'll be going out with people at work sort of, or going out with the clients uh, and, and it may be if I've got a bit of spare moment, I'll sit and have a look at look at 
Yeah, I just find that it becomes a habit. Like, I'm yeah. Just... And oh, I know people, yeah. people that get up and start work really early and work really late and they're constantly on the phone's pinging them and they're kind of looking. Mm-hmm. Like, but I think, I think you have to think sustainable. And for, for BGSS to be successful, I need to be on top form. So I need to be fit and healthy and thinking straight. Uh, and so I need to create time for that. I'm not, I'm not work shy. I'll work really hard. Um, and I'll, I'll work all as God sends if needs to be, but, but only if needs to be. I think um, you, need, you need to switch off. I think that's brilliant. I and think just, you're setting just, a really good example for the rest of the business. And outside of work, and just relax. Yeah, I think something me and Sandra can learn from that. <laughs> it's an era thing as well, though, isn't it? Like we're on our phones all the time. When you sat down and you've got ten minutes, it's Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. I do all that. I'll still sit there. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not. I, I do have an Instagram account, but I'm not very active in that. <laughs> I, have a, I have a Facebook account, but that's probably more because when I lived in South Africa, I've got relatives and friends over there, so. I, Keep in touch with sort of like global yeah. friends or people in America that I know. Twitter yeah. I use a lot. So I follow a lot on Twitter. So I'm always on Twitter kind of looking at it. Even I'm sitting watching telly. But, but actually, you know, would I be sitting there really worrying about something happening at work? Well, well yeah. no, unless there is something to worry about, then I will be worrying about it. Yeah, worrying. I think that's you great. To, like you say, if it's an emergency or something urgent, they'll ring You have to learn to switch off and, and have a balance. And I, and I love, you know, I, I'm quite fit generally. I, I uh, I fit work running in around. Latterly, I've started to do a bit of running because it fits around work and, and family life. So I can, you can go out in the morning and have a run to do all that. I've always played squash all my life, and I love motorcycling. I've always had motorcycles. So oh wow, oh so I have things outside of work. That, so you've been out running this morning. You said half six. I did. Yeah. How I'm far really did you run this morning? It was only five k's this morning, but I'm doing about on the night. thirty <laughs> and thirty-five kilometers a week at the moment. Wow, brilliant. More than I've done for a while, but this lockdown has been great. I'm feeling I've ever. Yeah. Are your um, are your kids into the motorbikes? Not really. No, they're into squash. So it's sort of looked just nice. They're, they all they all play squash, but at the moment we can't do that. So bless them. So that's uh, that's all on ice until we until uh, gyms can reopen again. I'm sure it's probably quite nice for you. Like you say, you travel a lot for work, so to be actually. Uh, you've probably never been at home this long in, in years, I can imagine. It's lovely. It's lovely. It's yeah. really nice to spend time with the kids. You know, it's, it's hard to it's hard to to do some of the things that you do at work that would be client based or just just staff based and just getting to know people and talking to people because you can't you have to explicitly find a reason to talk to someone. But uh, but that aside, I'm you know I'm loving spending time with the family. It's great. Yeah, yeah, and we're all in it. Like you say, we're all on it together. It's a level pegging field, isn't it? So it's a bit like you've really just got to make the most out of a bad situation. Right I now. do. Yeah, you do. Definitely. So you've obviously earned your stripes in your career, and I'm sure that you've had lots of um, lots of experiences that you've gained. It would be fantastic if you can kind of give us a little bit of detail or a little bit of insight in some of the war stories and battle scars that you've gained along the way. Okay. Cool. Right. So there's, there's been a lot of them. <laughs> what can I tell you? <laughs> There's, there's a few things I remember. You know, there's, there's sometimes where you sit there and think, "Oh, I remember that time when that happened," and it hits it and it, and it, and it worries you in your mind. Sometimes that you get that say, anxiety back. <laughs> yeah, I remember one time I was still young. I was uh, learning my career, and I was pre-sales, going out to see clients with a different consultancy. Went to see mm-hmm. this client, um, and the work was perfect for us. It would fit up our string. And I learned to think about communication and perspective. I was sat in the reception at client talking to couple of guys who were going to help us pull a proposal together but my language was just inappropriate I was just talking about oh, this is great for us it's really low-hanging fruit you know it's just sort of thing but <laughs> what I didn't know was the chap sitting next to me was the financial director of the company and what what he took from the words I used was 
was going to try and try and overprice something and be, because it's perfect, whatever. So it was, but it was the language I used. I wasn't actually saying it like that, but just the language I used sat in that client thing, which just wasn't appropriate. Uh, uh, and obviously we didn't get the work. So <laughs> people at work were really upset when they heard what had happened. So I learned a few things about communication and what to say and what not to say in, in different situations. <laughs> But I guess I guess I've been around delivering complex systems quite a lot, and I mm. uh, and I've learned that just big delivering big complex platforms is really hard. No matter how much you or clients think think you know what's going on, you just don't. Uh, and what you think you understand going into it, it's going to be four times as hard <laughs> as it is when you go in. And you know what? Things just go wrong. And as we talked about coping mechanisms before, I think you have to recognise that things will go wrong. And what 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 is relationship you need to build with the client is when things go wrong you can sort it out and you can build a relationship the it's trust rare, yeah very rare that a client brings out a contract with bgss because the relationship we, we start off saying look things are going to go wrong we this is what we think and it's what you think but i i can be fairly sure that what you think isn't right and what we think isn't right because we're just so early in the journey but you know what when things do go wrong i promise you we'll stand by our commitments and, and then you have to see that through so when something does go wrong and it's for some reason it's your fault then then you put it right or Client yeah. and have a have a grown up conversation. So I think what I've learned in those things is just it, the the strength of relationship will pull it through. And I can think of two massive programs, proper global programs or national systems, where they were really hard and really going off the rails. But the strength of the relationship and just the people around it, what, what the guys at BGS can do is phenomenal. How they pulled it through, stuff that you just think, wow, I'm, I'm amazed they do that. In uh, a couple of really big times, and I think any that run BGS will probably know the couple of programs I'm talking about. Uh, and they were proper cataclysmic at the time in the middle of it, but just the strength of relationship, the strength of the client's trust with us and kind of both, both of us to get that through. And then, and then many, many, many small war stories. I guess, I guess what I do is I deal with people a lot. So mm. I spend a lot of time speaking to people about problems and things. You know, we're all human beings. We all have issues. Some of them in work, some of them nothing to do with work. Uh, just, <laughs> just the number of those conversations I've had. But I think back to what we said about what's really important, just treating people with the respect they deserve and recognizing that we all have, we're all human beings. We have life to deal with. And sometimes we make mistakes and that's yeah. okay. You know, and yeah. I think as a, as an employer, we want a long-term relationship with everyone. So sometimes we have to bend over backwards and do things to help them out. And it, there's, there's nothing for us to gain in that period. But in the long term, there is because there's, there's a relationship we're building. So I think those, those one-on-one conversations, I'd, I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't count how many of them I've had, but I think it's probably, it's probably what I do, I suppose. I think you made a a really interesting point there that that delivering the complex systems, these huge systems, they're always four times harder than what you initially thought, and there's going to be errors and things away. Do you feel that you end up getting the four times the like level of sense of achievement and relief, and at the end of it as well, you still gain that? Because that's that's so important, isn't it? Every time I've spoken to people that have been on programs like that, yeah, when when you're past it and you you see the level of success because of how critical that system is because yeah. of how, how many people use it, because of how many people around the world that realise what, what, what they're doing and how these systems work. Just, mm. just the, the level of satisfaction those people get from it, it's always far greater than the ones that were easy and run through and we delivered something in three months and it was easy. Just, yeah. you, you almost forget the easy ones. I can think of a couple of programmes that have just gone so smooth at the end of it, we, you, know, you have the user acceptance test meeting, you all sit together and project manager brings cakes and we sign it off and it was fine. You know, but you, kind of, <laughs> you sort of forget about those. It's like, oh, it's a bit yeah. boring that. But the hard ones, that really, it, it generates, it builds bonds, it builds friendships. You know, you, you, see, you see proper true behavior when people are under times of stress. It's just phenomenal. Um, 
uh, yeah, I think it does. It's, uh, uh, it's really important as well, isn't it? Celebrating those successes and those achievements oh, yeah. because in consultancy, obviously similar to us, you, you, something great happens, it's brilliant and it's easy to kind of forget and on to the next one, but it's just really important you take a step back and yeah. celebrate that with your people, isn't it? Celebrate yeah. your wins. Yeah, yeah. So along your journey, um, I'm sure you've probably had um, people that you've kind of looked up to and you've had, you know, role models. Who would you say has been your greatest role model and, and why? Yeah, uh, that's a tough one. As, as a person, I don't, I don't read a lot, like a lot of theory or anything like, or books, whatever. I, I do read some books, interesting, clearly I do. Um, but it's not like I, I hold any sort of theoretical or clever people kind of uh, on a on a pedestal but there are there are people that have that have influenced my career massively a few of them very few people there was one guy when i when i went i said we weren't contracting after a couple of years worked at bp there was a, there was a manager there a guy called alan holyoke he influenced me massively just he just his ability to take a complex problem and a, and a debate going on and take it back to simplest the simplest form of well what is it we're trying to solve and kind of get everybody back to a level playing field to facilitate a, a conversation very supportive leader as well i always often think of him uh, and and then there's one or two other people. I mean, I mentioned Glenn Robinson, who's the chairman of BDSS. I think he, so he interviewed me to join BDSS. I won't tell you some of the questions he asked me. <laughs> it was a challenging interview back in 2000. And I've clearly worked with him for, for 20 years now, but um, uh, he's very good. Uh, just a great, I don't know, just a, somebody is sort of a charismatic leader. He can, he can you could talk about a problem or any kind of problem with him. And he has the, the ability to take that particular problem in its own right and discuss it. So we, we don't, we don't like to generalize at BGSS or just make policies for the sake of it and say, well, this is a rule and you follow the rule. And, and that's come from Glynn now where you, you assess the situation on face value. It doesn't matter what the conversation is. So you might have general guidelines and policies, but you're looking at the situation and there'll be a decision to make. And, it, and the reason why it's complicated is because it doesn't fit the rule. He has a way of sort of dealing with that and kind of saying, okay, well, what are we trying to achieve? If it's a client situation, what's the client trying to get out? If it's a people situation, well, what, what's the problem here? Why are we getting to? What's the essence of it? And so I think he's taught me a lot, and I consider him a mentor even now. So a lot of the stuff I do, I go to him and say, I think I'm going to do this, and, I, and he'll tell me what he thinks about often. In what's, he, what's he up to now then, 20, 20 years on? Still chairman of BGSS. So he was the previous MD that I took over for. He's still a chairman, so I, uh, so I, I work for him really. So um, he's on the board of directors of BGSS, so steers us in the right direction. Um, and uh, and guides me, and I think that gives a couple of other people that that, that, that I respect are the owners of BGSS too, because they they're the ones that really instill this ethos. So I think the, the three of them, I look to them obviously for my my guidance, and I'm very lucky to have them. So as a board of directors, I can go to them, and they they're massively supportive. They'll support whatever I want to do, but equally they'll be challenging and equal equal rights too. So though you know that group of people, Lynn, Andrew, and Mark are, uh, are big mentors for me. But that would be it, really. There's not been not been many people that I would say are role models, if you like. So I think it'd be brilliant to finish the podcast then, I guess, a bit about what you're really excited at for BGSS and your plans for this year. What's going on in the business that is really kind of getting you going? Obviously, we've had to put things a little bit on pause at the moment. <laughs> too long. But, yeah, it's a fair question because actually the last four or five years have been phenomenal years of growth. I mean, the demand's been yeah. phenomenal. Everybody's been wanting technology. We've obviously been doing something right because the company's been growing. Definitely. Um, 
hard to say what's next when you've been doing so well and you've been so busy well, all the time. And oddly, our financial year finished just end of last month. Um, yeah. And we had, we've had a great last year. It's been a, another year of growth, which has been great. But obviously going into this year, the, the economy's in a different state. And I think, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's, once again, it's been nice, nice working with BGSS because I think we uh, were able to look at the situation and just behave and deal with what, what faces us. So I think, uh, will we be looking to grow the business financially this year? No, we won't. I mean, that'd be a, that'd be a ridiculous thing to say. But what we'll be looking to do is, uh, is really work really well with the clients we've got, support them really well. But actually, I think it's a phenomenal time and a phenomenal opportunity for us to revisit what we do, the services and things that we sell into the market and make sure they're relevant to the economy as it is now and, and will be in the next three to six months. I think it'll be a phenomenal opportunity for people to take advantage of the digital technology to kind of help their business. Look yeah. at all the retailers that have gone online and now, you know, where they weren't making much money online, now all their money's going from online because they've got have no other avenue. So they've been yeah. forced to do different things. So, so I think it's a phenomenal opportunity, I think, now for companies like ours kind of look at the services that we provide, the stuff that will, that'll still be going on the way we're going on, but actually there's a phenomenal, either a new set or probably our clients recognizing how important that the digital technology can be for them. So mm-hmm. I think it's a great opportunity for us. So we're working really hard on that at the moment behind the scenes on sort of what, what the services that our clients will want. Let's get them out of the market. But also I think what we talked about BGC, so I think we're, we've got a good spread around the UK, a little bit in the USA, that's our second biggest thing. And then it just started to dip our toes into Europe. So I think for us, there's, a, there's an international story for us now. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to helping BGSS grow internationally and see uh, seed offices in countries that we don't have a footprint in yet. It'd be greater to have a bigger, bit to have a bigger footprint in Europe. There was obviously that Brexit thing going on that we've all forgotten about. <laughs> so, so actually, so it'd be great to have a, a stronger footprint in Europe, but also maybe in Australia, you know, Far East, something like that. So actually, the exciting thing for me is, is we're sort of gearing up internally this time to how we organize ourselves so that we can take advantage of that as the international economy starts to, to unlock. So for me, I think this year, if this financial year goes and we get to end of April next year, and we've got a couple more fledgling offices in a couple more countries and, um, uh, and we're still all busy doing some stuff and we've delivered some more services to, to some new clients, I'll be over the moon. So I think uh, as, a, as a goal, yeah, a couple, of, a couple of small seed offices in, in a couple of other countries. But um, really uh, we'll see where we're going. Um, you know, I'm still very ambitious. I'm still very positive. I think the economy yeah. will bounce back. And I think technology is, is a phenomenal place to be right now. So, When do you think it will bounce back? What's your, I'd just be interested to know what your opinion is on. Yeah, so I, yeah, good question. It's a crystal ball question on this, but I think, <laughs> the end of, I think the government will be unmotivated to get the economy back on track. You know, they can't afford to keep bankrolling us all on furlough. They can't afford to come in. They, they need to get mm-hmm. back. So they need to work really hard. And I think the NHS have been doing a phenomenal job to kind of keep on top of yeah. the situation and help us all out. So they're going to be working so hard to unlock the economy. And I know it'd be a phased thing and it'd be over the next few months, but I think gradually they'll start to unlock some areas of the economy and then people can get back to, to doing what they did before and businesses can have some confidence to invest in themselves and invest in digital, te- digital type technology. So I, I think over the next few months, you'll see it gradually unlocked. Where are we now? mid-may aren't we mm. may june july sort of August. so i think by the by the end of the year i think i think we'll be on an upturn yeah uh, and i i think as a business we, we i think we'll see some growth in our business at the start of next next calendar year but yeah so i, I, I don't think it's all doom and gloom i think i'm kind of thinking january 2021 january feb time and we'll start to see it gradually towards the end yeah. of the year but i think we'll see some things before then but i think you're right i think it'll it'll be it'll be next year before we'll probably see an uplift in the economy i think but we'll start to see things being switched on the tail end of the year i think yeah um, 
but I'm, I'm very optimistic. I think it's a phenomenal time to be in technology. There's some great things yeah. you can do. And I think it's forced, it's forced the wider kind of business economy to kind of look at tech more because I think it's yeah. the only way they can get to the markets and a lot of them. Um, it's a great opportunity for startups and there's i think um i think you and paul were talking about it last night on the on the webinar about opportunity for people to sort of practice their own projects personal projects and things like that that might that um, might come out of this it could be really exciting so like like we said a couple of times it's a good time to give people the the space and the time to be a bit more creative in their approach yeah. so yeah there's definitely some really exciting stuff coming up back of it in technology which is super exciting yeah really um Personally, then, obviously, we know you've been heavily involved within Leeds Digital Festival, which was successful over webinar and over over the web rather than being its usual live south. What sort of things are you passionate about getting involved in this year? Uh, personally, getting involved in this year. Oh, wow. Um, good mm-hmm. question. I think there's a, there's a number of fronts there. I think that there's, a, there's a personal front with my family as well, just... Uh, uh, kids in school that type of thing and making sure that they grow nice and safely and there's there's, a, there's, a, there's, there's the sort of in it internal kind of work thing for me so we i always look at bjss as an agile construct in itself so we don't have think about it as a big hierarchy and sort of jobs for the senior people type things mm-hmm. we, we organize the business as we see fit at the time and we we evolve it kind of every year and it changes and i think we've kind of got used to that so i think seeing how that can evolve as we evolve as 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 we have grown we've changed the organization a bit coming into this year and I think now with, with the market conditions as it is, I think things will evolve. Leaders will come through. So actually watching and helping BGSS evolve internally and becoming stronger uh, and more resilient as an, as an organization, I find that fascinating. I love human nature and human behavior, watching how people behave and just um, seeing how, how they, how they, what they can step up to do. That, that secondly, is that I'm excited about. And then thirdly, just, ju- just seeing our, our company's products and services evolve. I think, mm. um, and strengthened because we, what we do have is a tremendous breadth of service offering. And the difficulty sometimes is getting is, is, is gluing that together as a seamless end to end kind of offering thing. So that the creative design folk are phenomenal and they lead into kind of some, some, uh, some analyst and development kind of folk too, but actually so getting that story stronger and just uh, more seamless for our clients. And then the whole consulting offering, offering around that's so we, we launched a business consulting part of the business just over a year ago and those guys will help our clients with their businesses and drive value and services and things that it takes to market, which is not technology at all. But so gluing those services together better, I think, um, having uh, more relevant and uh, uh, more joined up services of the clients too, so our clients deliver more value. So to all of those things, I think I'm excited about assets and all of those perspectives. I think That's it's a lot going on. exciting stuff there. Mm. Yeah, loads of exciting stuff. Mm. Clearly, clearly you're busy. <laughs> well, um, everybody's busy. Say- yeah want to say huge thanks Stuart thank you very much for taking the time to speak with us today are you happy for um, listeners to get in touch with you on LinkedIn Twitter of course, or is, of course. Or is your Twitter handle tweet away, tweet away I'm Bullock Stuart uh, uh, so it's at Bullock Stuart my Twitter handle or, or yes as you say, I'll be, I'm easy to find on LinkedIn and uh, obviously you can find me at yeah brilliant well thank you very much um thanks for taking time to uh, speak with us today and thank you very much for tuning in and listening everyone we'll look forward to catching up with you next week take care Thank thank you thank you all bye